0: Hey there, welcome to the What Connects Us podcast. My name is Mason Gardner, and if you've come to explore human connection with people in the province, you're in the right place. Today, we're talking to Cole Thorpe, founder of Prairie Proud to discuss how his small town roots led to the start of his own social enterprise. Let's get into it. Okay, we've made it to our fourth episode, and I'm really excited for this one for a couple of different reasons. The first is that today's episode is our first interview that I've recorded with a guest remotely. And what I mean by that is through the magic of Bluetooth, our guest Cole Thorpe is sitting down to chat with me while he is in Saskatoon and I am in Regina. I will warn you that Cole's audio won't be as crisp as the other guests we've featured so far, but it is a small sacrifice to make to ensure we are truly featuring people and hearing stories from across the province. The second reason I am excited is that I love Cole's story and whether you have a rural or an urban background you'll be able to relate to it. If you have ever seen anyone wearing clothing with the words Prairie Proud featured on it, Cole is the brilliant and humble mind behind it. Prairie Proud, if you haven't heard of it yet, is a local clothing company whose name says it all. They celebrate the pride we have in the prairies. Their tagline, wear the pride, invest in the prairies, perfectly sums up that they do more than just sell clothes, but they reinvest a portion of their sales back into prairie charities in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. So cool, right? In just six short years, Cole has grown a company that started in his 100-square-foot spare bedroom into a storefront located on Saskatoon's busy Broadway Avenue, and has reinvested, get this, $56,000 and counting back into the prairies. Cole's going to tell us what it's like to not just reinvest in his rural roots, but invest in himself as a young entrepreneur coming directly out of university, and the hurdles and the highlights he's experienced along the way. What connects us to Cole? Let's find out. Hey Cole, we are recording. Thank you for joining us and being our first remote guest on the What Connects Us podcast.
1: Thanks Mason, I'm really happy to to join you today.
0: It's funny, we can't physically distance more than this. I'm in Regina, you're in Saskatoon, and this is our first time doing a digital one. I can see, just for everybody at home, I can see him through like a Google chat. Um, but everything else is through Bluetooth on this podcast. It's actually pretty cool. How's things in uh, Saskatoon right now?
1: Oh, well things are probably similar to Regina. It's a, it's a different world we're, we're living in, but, um, you know, we're trying to, to adjust and adapt, uh, but overall things, things are going, going okay. Uh, just trying to stay positive.
0: Awesome. Um, I'm so pumped for this podcast, just for some background for people at home. Um, I feel like Cole and I kind of grew up together in a weird way. Like I remember playing Cole in like senior volleyball. I'm from Lemberg, he's from Langenberg. Then we were on two different JDC West teams. I was from the university of Virginia. He went to the university of Saskatoon. And then in a cool moment, him and I both worked at Conexus for, I think it was like a summer student term or something like that, seven years ago. And. I made my way back to Connexus. He went on to pretty Proud, but now this is kind of like a cool little full circle moment.
1: You know, Mason, something I've never told you before, but back in like, middle school high school when we had the volleyball battles yeah you know, i consider you kind of a, a bit of an arch nemesis and you know, we always had battle battles in in volleyball and obviously then now we've become good friends but, yeah you know, it didn't start out that way i'll, I'll be completely honest there was definitely uh that that friendly small town rivalry that existed uh early on in our relationship
0: yeah it comes with like i'm from lemberg you're from Langenberg. it's that easy like phonetically almost two sounding names but That's funny. It's funny because I always thought I knew you, but I didn't know that you knew me.
1: Yeah, no, fair enough. And I guess, you know, especially at that age, you know, you're not, I don't know about you, but I was growing up in a small town. You kind of are a little bit maybe sheltered from outside of your your. Neighboring towns. Yeah. You drive to a volleyball tournament. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. that opened up a whole bunch of doors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and you meet new people. So, crazy time.
0: Totally. All right, let's jump into it. So, before we get started, I want to hear just how you've been doing personally through the pandemic. Yeah,
1: Mason, I, I'll be honest. It, it is uh, challenging, is just the best word that I like to say, both personally and professionally. This is a whole unprecedented situation that we're all adjusting to. And, you know, if you would have told me when, when 2020 started, that we would have our business closed for, for three months, and I was trying to be kind of taking me back to the roots of the business, where, where a lot of times it was just me behind the scenes. Uh, that was something that I really never would have guessed or predicted, um, right. and in business planning, when I first was developing the business plan for the business, did not include a, uh, a mitigation strategy for a global pandemic. i did No, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. So maybe that's something uh, we have to let our professors know, that both U of us yeah. and U of S, that uh, maybe should be included in a future climate.
0: You live and you learn, right? Um, So give me a quick introduction. Who is Cole Thorpe? Give us some background on who you are so we can better understand your story.
1: For sure. Uh, So I'm a a small town kid at heart. Uh, So Spy Hill, Saskatchewan is actually where I was born and raised. It's about 150 people right on the Manitoba-Saskatchewan border. Uh, So to put in perspective, about a half hours east of Regina, approximately. And so um, with how small the town is, unfortunately, the school closed when I was in about grade three. Mm So then I went to the neighboring town, as Mason mentioned, uh, Langenberg, Saskatchewan. And so that's where I went from grade four to high school. Uh, and so I still consider that very much uh, a hometown, my hometown. My, uh, my brother is back there. He's a, a local pharmacist in Langenberg. I got a couple of nieces there. And my parents are still on uh, the farm that I grew up on. Mm. Uh, so I'm proudly the fourth generation in, in my family who's been uh, born and raised in the prairies, uh, come from a, a farming family. And so uh, that's certainly part of the inspiration behind Prairie Proud that we'll get to to in a minute. But definitely now, over the last 10 years, um, I've proudly uh, called Saskatoon home. Uh, as Mason mentioned, I came here to do a business degree at the U of S. And then after that business degree, uh, I took the leap into entrepreneurship uh, and, and still surviving here six years right. later.
0: Right. That's awesome. It's It's funny because I'm from a small town, too, and I always get the whole, like, well, how many people were in your graduating class? And I had 19 in my in my graduating class. And it's funny to hear somebody with a smaller background. Like, you just assume that you were the smallest people. Like, how many people right. would have been in your class at Spy Hill?
1: So in Spy Hill, there was, there was three. Three? Um, so three. So I like to say I had... Um, my, my best friend and, uh, then my enemy. We, so we had like one of them was my best friend, one of them was my enemy.
0: How did you do group Uh, projects? Like there would just be like one group. Well, I think,
1: you know, the interesting aspect, and I guess, you know, some small people or small towns can relate to this. Like we had a teacher for kindergarten to grade three. Yeah. So one teacher was responsible for, for, you know, obviously dealing with different disciplines and different, uh, programs for each of those respective grades right? and so we were kind of always in a bit of a group setting just Mm -hmm. based upon the fact that's how a lot of rural small town schools had to execute that and i think it still exists in certain schools around the province and across canada Totally. Um, so group work was kind of something you had to adapt, and you almost had to kind of play a role model role to some of these young kids, mm-hmm. even though you're only like in, you know, maybe a grade or two above them. Totally. But it's just kind of you're forced into that based upon how small the school was.
0: That's so cool. A role model role in like grade three. So you just show, you showed them how to share the Lego and the black crayons. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So you talked about your prairie background a little bit, and I'm guessing that's kind of what fueled Prairie Proud tell us a little bit how this idea was created and what led you to the decision to leap at it full-time I'm guessing just out of even out of university
1: yeah so this is uh, kind of very applicable just to to connect this as well because it's kind of part of the story mm. um, so first of all it kind of comes back to that that roots I was talking about growing up in a small town I really started to to or my parents instilled genuine very values from a very early age mm. you know you you support the people that are good to you you volunteer for local events you help out at the fall supper yeah. um, you know my first job ever was cleaning bins for for my my uncle uh, and so those are all things that maybe at the time I didn't realize but have become more important to me as I've now you know started to to you know go into my my late 20s here and so that's kind of the first piece of it and the second piece comes to then my time at business school um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer from a very early age me too. Um, yeah. from a maybe, yeah, 14 years old, I thought I looked at the lawyers on TV, and it's like, that's what I want to be, that's the lifestyle I want to live. Ultimately, um, I got involved with various different uh, initiatives, including for this, uh, the Food Student Council within the university, uh, events like GODC West, which is a business competition that uh, both Mason and I have competed in, that sees uh, business schools compete across Western Canada, and various other case competitions um, I had involvement in, whether I was competing or actually um, helping organize. Right. And so what I found is in, in those experiences, I really was starting to get kind of this entrepreneurial bug where I was leading a group of people. I was raising capital. Mm-hmm. I was managing conflicts all things that obviously as a small business owner or entrepreneur you have to be able to to have that skill set or develop that skill set right and so really when I came to the end of my degree um, you know I, I was considering you know law school' it was still something I had kind of the back burner if you will right. and then I also had a couple different job offers that I was considering as you know you know I'll be honest my, my parents are quite conservative people mm-hmm. um, they they wanted kind of they looked at the you know the guaranteed salaries the right. benefits, that come with some of these traditional roles and obviously there's nothing wrong with obviously um, having a traditional role like that but I basically said to myself at that point if I don't try to to build something from the ground up uh, at this stage in my life when when I'm not married I don't have kids obviously you can do that later in life but obviously it becomes a little bit more difficult if you have other responsibilities that you also have to look at. And so that's where then I really combine these two passions about where I'm from and and obviously where I I still um, proudly live and my kind of interest in uh, building something from the ground up. And that's where this idea for Prairie Proud was born in trying to allow people to show that they're not only sort of proud of where they live and operate, um, but we'll talk about a little bit later maybe, we also invest a portion of our, our sales back into initiatives across Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Manitoba.
0: So tell us a little um, bit about, you're obviously a clothing company, um, with a little bit of that social enterprise purpose. Tell us why clothes and how um, the social enterprise component got interwoven into that. In terms
1: of the clothing piece of it, um, I think growing up, obviously, for me, I was always kind of interested in marketing and branding. Uh, And obviously, I was one of those kids that wanted to to have a part-time job so I could buy the latest cool brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I've always, I guess, had an interest in it. But then it also kind of developed in the fact that during my um, extracurricular that, that I was involved with at university, I was somewhat taking the role in um, providing team apparel for our respective um, case competition
2: team. Oh, cool.
1: I was also uh, playing a role in kind of designing that, that product. And so I've always been a bit of a creative person. I, I proudly get that from my mom, who, who is a bit of an artist herself. Cool. And so I never maybe put that onto canvas, but obviously more in a digital format. Um, I was always kind of interested in that, never thought I could necessarily you know, make a career doing it, but that obviously played a key role um, in Prairie Proud and the fact that I still obviously do have a large part of our marketing and still design all the products myself. And then secondly, I started to build contacts in university in this world. And so uh, again, I'm a big believer in constant learning. Uh, so I definitely didn't know a lot about the industry when I first started. But I think with the power of the internet and the power of these contacts I had, I really started to understand you know, how this is going to work, um, supply chain challenges that, that you know clothing companies have to deal with. And, and that's continued to evolve um, over the last you know, six years. Uh, and the piece then about the social enterprise uh, aspect of it that kind of comes back to my own personal value set. Mm. Um, so our values at Prairie Proud are passion, community, and quality. Mm. So we allow people to be passionate about where they live and operate. Um, we believe investing back in the community and, and the places that we, that we call home. And finally, we want to get you a quality product. Mm. And so those values are tied to my own personal value set. Mm. And a big belief in community investment, um, again, growing up in the small towns like Mason and I did, That's something that I think is instilled in you, uh, whether it's your parents or just your general community. And so, um, always from that that early age, we were fundraising for local initiatives. We were uh, helping out the local, certain cause at the time. And that has transitioned now into a business. I wanted to make sure that when I am going to be getting up every day and working hard on something, that I also have a component that I'm also not just working for the business, but also hopefully, to invest back in the places that, that I call home. And obviously that's where the, the social piece of this, uh, where we take a portion of all of our sales and invest it back via charities and initiatives across Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba yeah. uh
0: was born. That's so cool. How much money has have you reinvested back in so far?
1: So to date, um, just with our most recent contribution in September, uh fifty six thousand dollars. That's yeah.
0: crazy. What was that like to donate that first check back to back to a charity?
1: So Mason it's really somewhat of a still a surreal moment um for me. One of the things that that I really believe in is transparency, especially as a small business. And so um, one of the things that we've done on our social media over the years is we document all these presentations um, with kind of like the lottery type check presentation when somebody wins like a massive lottery or million dollars or whatever it might be. Obviously, you know that the denominations uh, have slowly increased over the years. Um, but our first presentation—I still remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, uh, it was a thousand dollars, probably going to the Children's Hospital Foundation here yeah, in Saskatchewan, yeah. who's been a partner of ours um, from the early days of this business. You know, just that process, that the amount of work that got that was put in to mm-hmm. get to that mm-hmm. stage—it's uh, certainly one of those highlights along this journey that I don't think I'll ever forget. And just now the relationships and some of the the small impact that we have had in now with our first children's hospital in Saskatchewan, knowing, again, we've played a very small role over the course of a few years here to really try to um, make that come to fruition is pretty special.
0: Yeah, I I just get chills thinking about it. Like if, like I've been lucky to be able to hand over a check to, to a charity or an organization that really needs it and you can see it in their eyes just how meaningful that is, but on the flip side, it is so meaningful for you because you did that. Like that is something that you built from the ground up that you are now being able to reinvest. Like you're truly living into your purpose. So, what are some other charities that you've been able to to support through this?
1: So, over the course of the last few years, um, we've tried to continue to support initiatives which are striving to improve quality of life for people right across the prairie. Um, so, so far, that has definitely had a bit of a healthcare focus, um, just related to some of my own personal uh, connections and, um, knowing also I've had family members, uh, suffer from different conditions where we've also, uh, tried to prioritize, uh, those type of, um, role. Right. And so, um, so far we've been able to support, uh, the Alberta Cancer Foundation,
2: mm. uh, in Alberta, uh,
1: the Children's Hospital Foundation, uh, in Manitoba, yep. the Children's Hospital Foundation here in Saskatchewan, uh, the United Way, uh, here in Saskatoon. Yep. Uh, we've also worked with Telemiracle. Uh, and also Canadian Tire JumpStarts. Uh, yeah. So just a few of the list of some of these different initiatives that we have collaborated with um, with over the last you know six years that we've we've been existing. Mm-hmm. And the goal is obviously um, with our slogan of where the pride invest in the prairies." Right. You know that prairies being plural, we want to continue to spread that wealth and. and you know, work with deserving causes, um, right across the prairie
0: provinces. Yeah. I love that. It's a prairie wide thing. Like it's not just Saskatchewan, it's Alberta and Manitoba. I find, and this kind of relates to our story where we're, I'm from Lemberg, you're from Langenberg and we have that rivalry. But if anybody ever outside of that ever comes after you, it's like, we're, we're going to leap to your defense. It's the same thing with Saskatchewan and Alberta and Winnipeg. If anybody from the East comes after us, it's like don't talk about my my little brother like that. So it's cool that you've looped it into not just a Saskatchewan supporting thing, but also the Alberta and the Manitoba side as well.
1: Yeah, well, certainly that's been very important. I guess growing up right on the Manitoba-Saskatchewan border, I definitely did spend a lot of time uh, in Manitoba growing up. Uh, So I I definitely have a sense of home in different capacities, um, especially being so close to uh, things like Lake of the Prairies, which is just inside Manitoba, mm. and also Clear Lake, Manitoba. But then also, I played lots of competitive sports growing up, so right. I spent lots of time in Alberta as well. So yeah. certainly, obviously, maybe don't have the same connection to those respective provinces. Right. But uh, you know, in my opinion, obviously are a very key part of what we call the Prairie, sure. um, and all all contributes in different ways.
0: Awesome. So. You made the decision to leap out of university at, at your own entrepreneurial venture, which is super intimidating. Tell me what that ride has been like so far and like, especially those first couple of years where you're really bootstrapping to make it work.
1: For sure. So the one thing I, I forgot to mention just in the previous question that's related to this is I actually was um, employed with uh, Connexus for a summer back, as you mentioned, yeah. I believe it was 2013 or 2014. Yep. Uh, and then also I also, I came back after I finished my degree, for about four months in a part-time capacity, while I was actually finalizing the business plan um, oh, right for on. the business, and so I was able to then, um, you know, work for Connexus part-time until I was kind of ready to launch this business. Yeah. And then from day one, I have made this my full-time commitment, um, which seems crazy to, to think that yep. a lot of businesses maybe have to try to, you know, have a side income while they're trying to get off the ground. Right. I kind of went full steam ahead. It was certainly. You know, like you said, a lot of bootstrapping um, in that first couple years, especially. But that first six months is just what have I, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Um, you know, to give you perspective. So we started in a hundred square feet in the spare bedroom of my apartment uh, here in Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah. So literally at that point, um, it was myself, a laptop, a printing press, and a lot of enthusiasm, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think any entrepreneur that took that risk, I applaud them. It, mm-hmm. it is some of the most challenging and scary times. You're kind of making yourself vulnerable, right? Where you've created this product or service
2: yep. and you're now
1: launching it to the world. Um, and at that point too, for further context, we were only online. Imagine 2020 versus 2014 in terms of online shopping, yeah. obviously it's changed tons big in big that time, capacity. Yeah. You've seen e-commerce really explode here um, in the last few years, and even more so with the current situation we're all we're all going through. And so, in 2014, um, when we first you know got on this, just trustworthiness of websites and you know even like local businesses operating online, yep. I think would be drastically lower than it is today. Right. So that was another challenge for us: is how do you how do you build customer confidence? When you're this brand new startup, uh, who's literally just marketing their, their products online, and I still remember to this day the first order that we received, who was from I uh, was one from out of province, mm-hmm. and two I had no personal relationship yeah. to this person,
2: yeah,
1: because um, obviously, like I said, it was you know my brother, it was friends and family, but then that first order that came in that was from out of province was just like, oh wow, this yeah. is, this is like. A milestone. I'm doing, um, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, the internet, you can market things to the internet <laughs> yeah. and uh, it we will leave this out. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so I want to talk about the social enterprise side and it's it goes probably beyond just giving a check to the prairies as well. and. I really love how you live into your values on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure that affects like your supply chain and things like that, right?
1: Yeah, so it certainly does. Um, and that's, that's the one thing I think that I like to try to articulate uh, to our customers is that obviously, yes, the, the financial contributions that we make are a huge part of that community investment that we make. But it's not necessarily just to that extent. Um, the community values that we really live through is, you know, things like employing as many local people as we can, yeah. also supporting as many local suppliers that we can, right. and so that's been very applicable in in this whole situation where you know as we've grown, um, we've become valued clients um, with a couple local suppliers here in the city. So. Yeah. To kind of provide some context, um, we do some of the decoration um, ourselves uh, right here in our space on Broadway. Yeah. But we also work with a local embroidery company and a local screen printing company on some of the more detailed uh, and larger print. Right. And so those businesses play a key role in our supply chain. Mm-hmm. And so when we're doing less volume, that also means that they're doing less revenue from us. Right. Uh, and obviously it's that trickle down effect when you look at, you know, if we're doing well, that means obviously, you know, the resulting suppliers of us are also going to be playing a role in not only employing their local people, yeah. but also being able to, um, do their own, the
0: totally.
1: and that's what I really try to pride ourselves on.
0: Yeah. To really authentically be that local supplier. I think there is such a call to action, especially right now during COVID-19 to shop local. And as a consumer, you just think, oh yeah, I would be supporting this one business, but in actuality, you're not just supporting Prairie Proud, but you'd be supporting all of your suppliers as well that are local. So it is that trickle down effect that is so important in t- during times like this.
1: Completely agree, Mason. I, you know, it, it really stresses the importance. Obviously, you've seen this shift the last few years to, to support as many local businesses as you can. Uh, it certainly really puts into frame of mind to also now when I'm doing any type of you know shopping uh, over the last six years, my perspective about just how I spend my dollars has really changed. Yeah. Uh, just based upon the fact now I I certainly try to grasp it um, from my own perspective, and you know if I'm going and out to a local restaurant, um, obviously it's I know where the money's going in some sense. I I have a better understanding of that just now knowing that I have a bit of
0: experience um, on my own small business. Totally. Yep. Those cooperative values are so important. Okay. We're going to pause right there for a quick second, because what Cole is saying about being a social enterprise and investment in the community, being part of Prairie Proud's values, it's very similar to something people get confused about a credit union like Connexus compared to a bank. To sum it up, Connexus is a credit union and a financial institution, but we aren't a bank. Kind of confusing, right? I chatted with Norm Durrett, who is a branch manager at the Kensington branch in Saskatoon. He clarified one of the main differences between a credit union like Connexus and the big banks like RBC, Scotiabank, CIBC, and how community impact plays a role in these structures. Here's what he had to say.
2: Hey, Great question, Mason. One of the main uh, differences between a cooperative credit union and a bank is a cooperative and a credit union is member-owned. So the members own us, and they share with us the direction they would like us to take to support them around their financial needs. So they have a say in the direction we support them with our product. A big bank, they are owned by shareholders. Shareholders obviously are looking for rates of return, they're looking for profit, so a lot of their decisions are based off of return making money, getting back to the credit union cooperative, our primary focus is helping our members, helping our community, looking at ways and improving their financial well-being and making our community stronger. and that's where we tie in and support all of our communities in ways and giving back to the community. whether that's through monetary contributions or whether that's also getting back in and supporting them with some of the initiatives and volunteering and being part of the community. That's really the direction that we take versus trying to turn a profit and make money.
0: Thanks, Norm. So credit unions like Connexus and social enterprises like Prairie Proud are very similar because of our cooperative values and the money you deposit is reinvested back into the province, not the pockets of shareholders. Makes sense? Now that we've covered social enterprises and cooperatives, let's get back to our interview with Cole and his journey with Prairie Proud. What's it like to see like a complete stranger like you're walking down the street and they're wearing a Prairie Proud sweater and you don't know them. Like a fun story from my end is that um you know on Facebook you're scrolling through and there is a family friend who took a photo with their family and they all had Prairie Proud sweaters on. And I like, couldn't help myself. I had the message of like, I know him like, (laughs) like, I know Cole, I know the founder of that, but it's so surreal to see from my end, just as a, as a friend to see that this is taking off in Saskatchewan, the prairies. What's that like for you to be able to walk down the street, see other people wearing your clothing and just be like. That's something I did.
1: It's funny you bring that up, Mason. I've got a kind of a unique story in that sense as well. I think this is maybe, I don't know, six months to a year uh, into the business. I can't remember exactly the timeline. But what was really neat is I was in the grocery store, you know, just looking at my apples, looking at uh, which ones I want to grab today. And then literally the person beside me is wearing one of our, like, first ever items that we ever produced. And, like, at that time, as as you know, Mason, and maybe you can tell from, from this podcast, the people that are listening. You know, I'm a pretty outgoing, friendly guy. I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, shy away from a conversation. And so I literally just tapped this girl on the shoulder and I said, like, you know, I really I really like the sweater and I really <laughs> appreciate the support. And then she like goes off on the experience that she had ordering and she's like, It was the best experience I've ever had. Oh my god. Like gosh. it's this local small company. And so I decided to kind of just play it like I didn't tell her that I was the guy behind oh, it. Your secret literally- shopping secret shopping yep. and so just that little experience still sticks out with me in yeah. terms of okay I've, I've made an impact already on you know somebody who's, who's had a positive experience who likes the concept and they're already now an advocate for us and yeah. which just was so you know for lack of a better term heartwarming for yeah. me um, and, and encouraging that okay what I'm doing is potentially going to make an impact Um, if you you continue doing this. And so uh, I still don't know that girl's name to this day, Um, but uh, if she's listening, I I certainly appreciate your support.
0: I think it's so cool that you've tapped into the Prairie Proud and the pride of the prairies, where if you're from a rural neighborhood, you are so proud to be from Saskatchewan and the agriculture and the community that comes with it. I remember when you came out with this idea, I was like, this will work. Like this is, this will tap into people's passion. And it's cool how you say that passion is one of your values, because if you are that passionate about it, you're just going to work harder to make this happen. And when I think of myself, was I ever at the point leaving university feeling like I could invest in myself and make that jump into an entrepreneurial venture? Probably not, but I can totally see you being able to do that since you were so passionate about the prairies and your background and and your experience that it almost was like a no-brainer, it feels like.
1: Yeah, like, to be honest with you, the last six months have been maybe something for the first time I've ever questioned my decision-making, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of going down this path, yeah. just with obviously so many things changing because of uh, of COVID. It's really made me kind of re- re- reevaluate. But at the same time, we had now just this community that we've been able to develop. So you, you talk about that conversation I had with the, uh, the customer in the grocery store. Yeah. Well, now you times that by, you know, I don't want to even put the number on it, but just how many... People we've been able to to have conversations with, whether that's in our storefront in Saskatoon, yeah, or we do normally pop up events across the three provinces, and that's Mason. One of the things that I really look back on and is inspiration for me um, when I maybe having a, a day that's, that's a difficult, mm-hmm. you know, depressing challenge is I just think about all the different people I've got to meet as a result of this business. You know, I'm not know if you've seen this trend on social media, there's now where how, or where it started and how it's going. Yeah, the, the stakes thing yeah. now. <laughs> totally. So I kind of. I feel as though that's kind of what I have to reflect on. Yeah. Um, where I look at you know the Instagram pictures of like when we first started in our my spare bedroom. Yeah. Uh, to now being existing on one of the most prominent streets in Saskatoon, we're on, on Broadway Avenue. Yeah. Um, that's something that I just you know have to you know stay positive even in these challenging times and knowing we've seen such a support not only from our local um, supporters but so many new customers discovering us here this last six months
0: so tell me i want to help paint the picture of where you began you talked about in your spare bedroom with a printing press and how many years has it been it's been five years
1: so we just celebrated our, our um sixth anniversary six years in, yeah in the spring yeah so, so
0: so feel free to brag a little bit i want to hear where you're at now um and some of the highlights so far like you're a storefront which is which is awesome what other metrics do you have to share? Like 54,000 reinvest into the prairies? What what else you got?
1: Yeah, well, I can kind of take you through maybe kind of just that growth story. Yeah. Um, started obviously in the spare bedroom online mm-hmm. in the effort to see, okay, let's let's try to online market this business for a period of time and let's see if we can get any traction. So after about a year of existing only in the online space, I started to explore what kind of an omni-channel retail approach would, would be like. Right. So what I mean by that is, we had multiple different channels that we would sell our product. Yeah. So obviously the online store was the first one, but then we actually started to do pop-up events at small different like trade shows to get our name out there. Right. So that was kind of like the second part of our, our distribution strategy. Yeah. And then thirdly, um, actually almost on the year anniversary of the business, we then opened up a physical location yep. as part of an incubation space here in Saskatoon at River Landing mm. uh, called Ideas
2: Inc. Yeah.
1: So at that time, we jumped, you know, huge, huge expansion from 100 square feet to then 400 square feet. Um, four times space, the
0: expansion. Wow.
1: Four times the expansion. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was a huge leap. Obviously, yeah. you know, um, rent had to be paid. We had overhead now that was something that I didn't have, you know, still at this stage. Yeah, too and so we then had this physical storefront. And I still remember the day that we opened. I had no expectations on like how was this gonna go. Like were we gonna actually have people coming in? And literally we had people lined up out the door awesome. for probably an hour yeah. like waiting to get in. That's where then really like I started to see, okay, we have Traction here we have a customer base that's already established that was something that then I'm like okay we need to continue slowly growing this yep so from there um, we start to then events outside the province um, and so it's actually some friends uh, of ours we mutually met through the, the- JDC West business competition. Right. Who've actually played a key role in helping me expand to other provinces. Okay. Um, from there, then we existed at the Ideas Inc. Space. as a physical storefront with kind of multiple expansions along the way. We were about um, 900 square feet when we then made the leap on uh, June of 2019 to expand down to Broadway Avenue mm. here in Saskatoon. Yeah. And so now. Our most recent expansion um, has us in about 1,600 square feet. Yep. And we have our storefront, our kind of production space, and kind of fulfillment center. So we, we ship everything out of here yep. um, right in this one location. And mm-hmm. so we might be six years into this, and there's certainly been some highlights along the way, yep. but I'm still very much a believer in you got to bootstrap, you got to operate lean, uh, especially just given the, the current time. Yep. Um, but it's it seen that expansion, you know, from that, that spare bedroom days to now where we are existing, um, like I said, on one of the most prominent streets
0: uh, in Saskatoon. 100%. So let's just talk about COVID for a second. You gave a snapshot of how life was like just before COVID. What has changed as a result of the pandemic?
1: Well, to reference, uh, Ross from Friends, we've, we've had to pivot, <laughs> uh, pivot, 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 pivot yeah. um, uh, was the, the word of 2020. Yeah. Early on in this whole situation, uh, when we closed our storefront, yeah. we adapted to offer curbside pickup, which yeah. many small businesses are. But adapting early on, I think, was really key in our success to manage that first kind of really wave, if you will, of, of the whole COVID situation. Yep. One of the things that, that's been really challenging when we did decide to reopen, which we, was back in July, um, I tried to learn from some of our my fellow local businesses uh, in Saskatoon and, and in across the province about you know procedures and protocols. Uh, how do we create a similar experience when you walk in our store? Previously, obviously, pre-pandemic, if yeah. you will, um, and when somebody walked in. And so some of our secret sauce, if you will, is that customer experience. But that's just something that I've really prided myself on from day one, yeah. is um, getting to know our customers, understanding you know what part of the province they come from. Yeah. You know, are they from a farming family? Are they from a mining family? Mm. So whatever it may be, I want it to feel like that small corner store. And that's where you know it's taken time, but we're, we're slowly adapting. Who knew that the start of the year um, we would be doing or let alone yeah. we sell a face mask now? Totally. Um, you yeah. know, that's something that I would just like, well face mask? Why would we be selling a face <laughs> yeah, mask? Yeah. Um
0: Ac- acronyms like Seba and CERB and all of those that we've now are like used in day to day language.
1: Yeah, which again again for us, um, you know, there's some limitations just based upon the size of our business mm-hmm. and how we operate. But, you know, those type of tools and I have to apply um, you know, Conexus on, on that front, you know, they were one of the people that administered you know, the small emergency business loan, mm-hmm. and we were one of the first in line to take advantage of that, right. and, and that's really helped us kind of survive this situation, yeah. and also in the current situation, we've used that um, additional uh, cash flow. It's almost um, a little bit like, there's fatigue that's involved in trying to keep up with all the different things that are happening. Yeah. Um, and especially as a small business owner, I know all the different rules that are tied to some of these. Yeah. I just almost, it's a sense of over- overwhelm. Totally. So uh, much
0: information. Yeah.
1: But it was just like, oh man, like, I was on, my, on the phone with my accountants every few days. Lots of extra things that, you know, I, I think any small business owner can relate to. Mm-hmm. You're already wearing so many different hats in your business. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now you have to be like, Pandemic plan, totally. um, also in your in your you know day to day job. So you know it's been a tough navigation, mm-hmm. but again, if you take the time to to really like you know think things through have a a general understanding for what your, your supporters are going to expect. Yeah. Uh, Again, I think you can, you can slowly navigate this.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's, you don't really even think about as like a small business owner, just how much of a Swiss army knife you need to be. Like in your situation, (laughs) you are designing the clothes, you are marketing the clothes, you are an HR professional with your employees, and now you have to put on this like accountant, like contingency plan hat. I can't even imagine the amount of directions you're being pulled in
1: yeah it's certainly it's one of the things i really enjoy it's also one of the biggest um you know stressors and challenges of being a small business owner uh obviously too and you know we were as we've been slowly growing over the years um like you said you that i love the analogy of the swiss army knife i've never heard that one before and Mm. i think that is a very applicable way that you have to be so agile um and you have to that's one thing I think about my daily life is that you know one moment I will be dealing with customer service, the next moment I might be dealing with yeah. you know my accountant. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to like quickly turn uh, and be able to to be excel in different roles. Right. Um, I like to say I'm, I'm an expert at nothing. I'm average at a lot of things. Yes,
0: um, <laughs> I know a little about a lot of things.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of small business owners
0: can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. So outside of COVID nineteen thinking holistically about your experience in your run with Prairie Proud. What did you learn about yourself during your run with Prairie Proud? Thinking back from that very first t-shirt you sold to where you are now.
1: Well, one of the things that I thought or has been very um, special to me is that people have actually been interested in listening to the startup story mm-hmm. um, and what it took to grow something. And again, I would not consider us successful in any, in any sense as of yet, but just how do you start from basically a concept to then turning it into a viable business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been something um, for myself, I've be- always believed in my capabilities uh, and I was kind of betting on myself when, when starting this. But for me, I actually, if I put my mind to something, I believe that I can continue to, to you know, teach myself new skills mm-hmm. um, but on the negative side of that as well one of the things that I continue to challenge with is just my work-life balance right. um, I'm very much somebody who is a hands-on business owner a hands-on entrepreneur and that sometimes gets me into trouble based upon the fact that I have to to trust the people that I have yep. I have to you know believe in their capabilities mm-hmm. um, and that's that's been one of the things just this, this past six months I've had to really learn that as much as we've now had to downsize our organization because of what's happening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've really, you know, as we hopefully navigate through this, it's something I really have to prioritize. If I'm ever going to try to get the work life balance that, uh, you know, I'm, I hopefully can have someday. I need to to try to continue to let go of certain things, yep. and you know they always say you have to recognize your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly realize that that is one of my biggest weaknesses: is right. that um, I'm very much too hands-on. There's too many moving parts in the Swiss Army knife yeah. um, for me to execute on. <laughs> totally, and so um, and that's something I think you know a lot of small business owners can maybe relate to: is that you always feel like I could be you could be working.
0: Cole, what I think is so funny is that your entire business is just ingrained into your prairie values. And when I think of Saskatchewan, humble is a word that I think of. And even throughout that answer, when I said, what have you learned about yourself? One of your first things you said was, I wouldn't call us a success or not. Well, I would say $54,000 reinvested into the prairies is a pretty, pretty big success. And then you go on to talk about some weaknesses that you've learned about yourself. So it's funny, like you are truly an embodiment of Saskatchewan. Like you're humble, you're passionate and you're hardworking. And I think you're totally on the right path to, to finding continued success with Prairie Proud.
1: Well, thank you, Mason. I, I certainly appreciate that uh, perspective and and uh, you know, it motivates you to, to keep working hard uh, when you hear things like that.
0: For sure. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to hit you with 10 speed round questions to connect with you on a different level um, outside of your immediate story. So I'm going to hit you with 10 questions. You haven't seen them before and uh, they're just going to be really quick hitters. Okay. All right. So let's start with any nicknames?
1: Nicknames? I probably have too many nicknames to, to tell you about to be honest with you. Oh, yeah? um, so my middle name is Jacob. So okay. uh, to my family members, especially my dad, uh, my nickname would be Jake, I okay. guess. Um, this is a little bit of a weird one. My like, people who have ever golfed with me. Uh, yeah. I'm a pretty slow golfer, if you will. Okay. So for any of the golf fans out there, if you know who Sergio Garcia yeah. is. Um, he's a slower golfer. He doesn't play very, very quick. Yeah. So all of my golfing friends do call me Sergio, um, <laughs> just based upon the fact I'm a slow golfer. I guess.
0: Uh, uh, next one. What was your favorite cartoon as a kid?
1: Favorite cartoon? Well, should I, should I give you the real answer? or Should I give you the um, kind of dirty pleasure cartoon that uh, or dirty, uh, guilty pleasure, not dirty
0: pleasure. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> it's like, what is a dirty pleasure? Maybe not for this podcast. What is? <laughs> uh, sure. Just hit me with which, which, whatever you watch as a kid. Well, okay. So
1: definitely, um, I'm a big impression guy, and so um, one of the impressions I can do is like uh, Pinky in the Brain. I can do Pinky's voice fairly well. Okay, so definitely that was one of my favorite cartoons. But when I was really young, um, hate to admit this, but probably one of my favorite cartoons that I would sit with my mom on the couch and watch was Sailor Moon. Uh, so everybody <laughs> out there who can remember, but you know Sailor Moon was. Uh, Pretty top on my list back in the day.
0: Oh, that's funny. I had no idea where you were gonna be going with that, but uh I'm so happy it was Sailor Moon.
1: Everything needs a paw patrol these days, but yeah. uh you know, back in the day it was about <laughs> Sailor Moon, Moon. saving uh saving the world, I guess.
0: <laughs> Wait, I, I feel like I can't let this go without doing a Pinky in the Brain impression.
1: Oh man, you're
0: gonna put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Hey Mike, oh, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, if anybody has watched Pinky in the Brain, they will get that for sure. That's great. <laughs>
1: They're probably like, what is going on right now? But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I do. That's one of my weird hobbies is I, I like impressions. Impressions. And I am always working on, on somebody new.
0: So. <laughs> That's amazing. Favorite sport to play and watch if it's different? Like hit me with your favorite sport to play and then your favorite sport to watch.
1: Favorite sport to play is probably now golf, to be honest with mm. you. Um, obviously, I think you and I both share. We played a lot of sports over the years. Yep. And volleyball was always always pretty high on that list. Yeah. I don't know if my body could probably handle it anymore. Yeah, um, totally. The, the jumping, the joints moving. Yeah. Um, but I worked at a golf course during university in the summertime, mm-hmm. and I really got interested in golf, and it's something um, that I um, benefit of the pandemic situation, I guess. I got to golf more this summer than I normally do. Yeah. Um, just based upon the fact that we weren't doing a ton of events. And, and Cole, I think, you're, w-
0: I think you're underselling too that you are a provincial curling high school <laughs> champion as well. <laughs> That, that, that is correct,
1: Mason. Um, this is a, kind of inside joke, but um, definitely over the years, um, I have let people know that uh, I have won a Provincial Curling title in 2008.
2: I yeah, also
1: won, uh, you know, you talked about being humble. I'm going to brag for thing. Do second. it. Not only am I a Provincial Curling champion, I've also won Provincial titles in volleyball. And wow. in baseball, wow! Uh, you, know, so, you know, multiple sport athletes. You know? I cannot oh,
0: believe I am talking to a celebrity such as you on this podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> just in case you just thought I was a one sport athlete, right? Now you know,
0: yeah, yeah. No, you are, you are quite versatile. Do you have any recurring dreams?
1: Do I have any recurring dreams?
0: <laughs> that sounds weird without any context. Like for me, it is I'm driving and I'm just driving into like other cars and I'm just a really bad driver. And I'm sure there's some psychoanalytic things behind that, but do you have any? Yeah, fair enough. Like that?
1: You know, to be honest with you, in the last two years, dreams have really just kind of, I don't know. I don't really have them anymore. I definitely get when I am a
0: That sounds really dark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm too, working too much and I just, yeah, my, my mind can't turn off to, to go into that state, I guess. Like, this sounds weird, but I can't remember the last time I've had a dream. Interesting. Um, you know, as a kid, definitely had, had dreams You know, a lot and I think it would be related to like sports.
0: Um, yep. You know,
1: maybe when uh, Langenberg beats Lemberg on the, <laughs> yeah. on the volleyball court. It uh, is a dream. You
0: know? Yeah, that is a dream. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> what does Langenberg do better than anyone else? What does
1: Langenberg do since- Anyone else? Well, um, every five years they have, uh, what is called laugh and linger days. It's just like this whole weekend celebration. Like everybody comes home. They have every tournament imaginable from like beach volleyball Mm. to low pitch to a thing called, uh, have you ever played Belgian bowling?
0: Belgian bowling? No. Belgian bowling. It's kind
1: of a combination of lawn bowling and curling. Yeah. Um, and so basically these, um, like they call them, I guess they're bowls is the actual term. Yeah. They're basically beveled. So when you roll them, they actually like will kind of curl like a curling rock.
0: Oh, so just like lawn bowling.
1: Uh, it's like lawn bowling, but these are kind of beveled. So yeah, that's a combination oh. of lawn bowling and curling. Interesting. And so... We actually I, I believe Landsberg set the the world record a few summers ago for the largest Belgian bowling tournament in the wow, world. Wow,
0: congratulations, uh, Langenberg. Yeah,
1: That's so it's, it's a I don't know, again, if you're not into lawn bowling or curling, you are probably like what is this yeah. sport? But uh, it gets very competitive. Are you um, the
0: are you and, the provincial champion of of Belgian bowling?
1: I can't say I've um ever won a provincial championship. Yet. I I definitely, um, my brother's gift opening years ago at his wedding, I definitely, I think, was the champion of that event. Uh, <laughs> I won't go into details on that, but uh, definitely was a fun time.
0: That's just as prestigious, for sure. Fill in the blank. Saskatchewan is blank.
1: Saskatchewan is kind. Just how we as a, as a collective um, come together in times of challenge, you know, there's no better example of that than the last six months. For um, sure. You know, certainly Saskatchewan is kind.
0: And last question, what connects us?
1: What connects us? I think, as much as it is challenging right now, human connection uh, certainly connects us. Um, yeah. You know, even though we are we're only talking on a screen, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I obviously, in the last six months, have not got to see a lot of lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny on, on that note. For about the first two two and a half months of this whole experience. It was kind of back to the early days where it was just me behind the scenes, you know, we just didn't really know what to expect. So the only human interaction I had was with our Canada Post pickup <laughs> individual who would come every day and like literally we would chat for 15, 20 minutes, mostly yeah. distance with our masks on. Yeah. But just because we we really didn't get to see anybody else. Yeah. Like obviously you can have conversations on the phone or you know, things like FaceTime like we're doing here today are certainly helpful, um, to kind of create that human connection. Right. But um, I'm a a big believer and I kind of talking about before what I mentioned about our storefront experience. Human connection is is a big part of, I think, what connects me to our audience and what connects us to the province.
0: That's a great answer. Wow. Thanks for joining us, Cole. This has been awesome. I have learned so much from a social enterprise side as well as just more about your story. And it's been fun just to kind of poke fun at the whole Saskatchewan, Lemberg versus Langenberg rivalry again.
1: No, for sure, Mason. I I really appreciate you inviting me on. And uh, yeah, I hope hope obviously this will be um, valuable for maybe some of the listeners um, who have maybe never heard of us before. And I just want to thank, you know, Conexus and Mason for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, you bet. It's been great to have you on. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. If you like the podcast, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button and give the post a like, comment, or share. We'll see you in two weeks. Till then, I'm going to go learn how to belch and bowl.